time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. people I think is good people. They are they have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies. Welcome back to the Cold War episode 182, Ray. Uh, CIA, uh, history of the CIA part something. Who the fuck knows? Uh, At the end of the last episode, Ray, uh, I was talking about NSC 10 slash 2, the secret national security document that was signed in 1948 that that stipulated that the American government would lie to the American people if it ever got found out about its covert operations. In uh, in his book Understanding the Kremlin by Gregory Mitrovich, who um, I'll probably get on the show. I've been sort of having a bit of a Twitter conversation with him. I'll probably get him on the show. The book is a little bit pro-America for my tastes, but Mm -hmm. at least... He takes an. It's interesting in that he takes an economic uh, perspective to the Cold War. He basically says, right. as I said at the beginning of this series, um, look, the Cold War was really about economics, um, and he says, look, the American strategists at the time understood that one of the reasons we'd had world wars is that there were too many uh, trading blocks around the world and that those trading blocks withheld access to markets and resources and customers from the other trading Mm, blocks. Right. And so people were fighting over those trading blocks. And what America wanted coming out of World War II was uh, one world of free trade where everyone could trade freely and there were no trading blocks and that would stop wars happening because everyone would be happy. Um, but isn't that and yeah? Go ahead. Sorry. Mm, what were we gonna say? Isn't that kind of like religion? This is my religion, and I'm going to force it on you. Look, this is my view of economics, and I think it's best for everybody. And so, since I think it's the best, I'm going to ram it down your throat. Um, because some some countries aren't obviously aren't as populous as the as America is. They don't have the technology. They don't have the resources. And maybe they do need to have a different economy to protect themselves. But it doesn't matter. America wants all the doors open. And on the surface, it sounds really really good. Yeah. But we're no. Well, that. it was definitely you're definitely right. It was like, I mean, I, I I agree with the sentiment there. But at the end of the day, they were like, well, it's got to be our way. Right. And we're going to make sure that it's our way. And right. We're going to use all of our resources and happen. the threat of military engagement. Exactly. And we're going to overthrow elections and invade countries and support, you know, terrorists and dictatorships and whatever yeah. to get it's written right our there. way. Yeah. Uh, so I, I take, I mean, I agree with him, but, you know, he, he doesn't go on to say, but, you know, they did it in a way that was extremely heavy handed. Yeah. Um, but he he does put it, and he said basically they didn't want a Soviet bloc, so they did everything in their power to get rid of the Soviet bloc, and so there'd just be an American bloc, right. basically. I, I wonder, I, and um, I normally don't do alternative history, but I wonder if Stalin had backed out of Western, uh, excuse me, Eastern Europe, 
and uh, maybe did some stuff in Asia. I don't know. But if he, if he backed out some of the countries and America was allowed to trade with those countries in Eastern Europe, I wonder if it would have uh, if the Cold War would have come the way it did or maybe it would have been a much smaller thing. Who knows? But you're right. I mean, Stalin needed to block up the path to his front door. He also needs trading partners. America wanted them uh, those countries as trading partners as well. So you have two sides that aren't willing to budge. You're going to have some kind of war, whether it's hot or whether it's cold. I just wonder if, if things could have been different. But that's not how it played out. No. According to Mitrovich in his book, the administration deemed plausible deniability crucial to its activities. Yes. yes. Since the operations under discussion, propaganda, economic warfare, sabotage, demolition, subversion against hostile states and support for underground resistance forces and guerrilla movements could be considered acts of war. Could be. It was... Ob- Its objective was to make any U.S.-sponsored insurrection appear to have been the result of a discontented anti-communist populace supported by their refugee brethren in the West. And um, that's exactly what we continue to see, you know, the positioning of Guaido in Venezuela, et cetera, et cetera, today, right? That is and continues to be the American playbook for how it positions its attempts to overthrow regimes it doesn't like is, oh, well, it's, you know, discontented anti-communist locals uh, supported by their refugee brethren, and we're just helping them out because we're pro-democracy, pro-freedom, as long as it's our freedom. Exactly. Mm. So... America is going to determine the political fates of country. We're going to do illegal things to make it come out the way we want. And then if we are ever caught, even though this department, very few knew that it existed, we'll lie about it to everybody's face. Perfect plan. Yep. One way the CIA covertly funneled money into Europe was through front groups. Um, Speaking of front groups. Yeah. Talking about the band we're putting together. Just imports, no exports. He's an importer-exporter, okay? (laughs) Uh, In the late 1940s, Washington wanted to push for European unity. Mm. It wanted basically the European Union, uh, trade, diplomacy, security, all under one banner. Americans thought it would be a lot easier if they could deal with a politically united Europe. Right. Trump, of course, didn't like that idea, thought they'd become too powerful. But the idea in the 40s was this would be a good thing. So US officials wanted to get support for the European movement, as it was known at the time. They wanted to support it directly, but they wanted to be discreet about it because they didn't want to embarrass their allies politically. And so... George Kennan came up with a cunning plan. Oh, what was that? <laughs> that was my handoff to you. That was my flick pass. You didn't get the flick pass? No, not, it, it, uh, went, it went right by me. Went yeah. past you and came it, all the way back it, round. It's, it's a boomerang. <laughs> I missed it. A boomerang Sorry. pass. <laughs> Kennan came up with the idea of the creation of an apparently private group of American citizens who would accept funding and guidance from the government and act as a secret channel of financial support to the European movement. So it's not the American government that is supporting the European movement. 
is just a private organization of interested parties, a front group. Right. It was called the American Committee on United Europe, created in 1949 and began channeling money from the OPC to the European movement, nearly a million dollars a year to support the unification of Europe. Damn. Now, the, the funny thing about this in retrospect is they didn't try to hide it very well. Uh, the chairman of the American Committee on U- United Europe was Wild Bill Donovan. Ooh. The vice chairman was Alan Dulles. So it's basically the guys who created the CIA right. were now sense. running yeah. the front group. And they're really shy, reserved, non-talkers who uh, were just happy to be uh, to do a good job and not be noticed. It was like it was early days for CIA and front groups. They didn't really understand front groups. Like, well, we'll just we'll just call it something and put all, all our own guys in there running it. No one will know. Right. No one's gonna. And they're probably right. I mean, no one even knew what a front group was. So right. no one's going to go looking for a front group. No Good one's point. going to pay any attention to it. In November 19... And if, and if anyone did, they'd just lie about it and go, what? No, you're crazy. <laughs> In November 1948, Wisner flew to Paris to meet with our old friend Avril Harriman, Yay. who at the time was running the Marshall Plan. Ah. Oh, while okay. fucking... Who was he fucking? Randolph um, Churchill's wife. Wife. Yes. Yes. And, and, and that would ruin that marriage. Um, ironically, and you probably know this already, but uh, her name was Pamela. Um, even though Harriman was um, married at the time, when he was in London in 1941, he was stooping her on the side. The uh, Randolph Churchill's marriage would end, but decades later, it must have been true love because Harriman and Pamela would get married um, I think like in the 50s or 60s or something like that. So it was true love. It just took a while because they were married to other people. The penis wants and was she, what the penis wants. And was she the woman that Bill Clinton then made like ambassador to France? I believe I believe so. If I'm getting my... Pamela Harriman... Just looking her up, yeah. uh, trying to remember. I know we told that story at some point. Pamela Digby Churchill Harriman. Nice name. Yeah, Bill Clinton appointed a United States ambassador to France in 1993. Right. There you go. Wow. Mm. Mm. Older, but still living life. Good for her. Good mm. for her. She was British, yeah. but was the American ambassador to France. That's not complicated. Well, she was married to an American by then. She was married to Harriman mm. by then. I, I don't know. Yeah, he was he was dead by then, I think, but yeah. But maybe she became an American citizen. Anyway. Yeah. She had certainly had big hair. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, he he died in nineteen eighty six, for years before that. Anyway. Right. <laughs> Avril Harriman. Wisner flew to Paris to meet Avril Harriman, who was then running the Marshall Plan. Wisner needed cash. Yeah. Uh, couldn't get it because covert operations are illegal. Congress can't approve money for them. Most congressmen didn't even know it existed. Yes. They met at the Hotel Talleyrand, right. once the home of Napoleon's foreign minister, who he famously referred to as shit in a silk stocking. <laughs> <laughs> I had not heard that one. That's pretty good. <laughs> well, you listen to our Napoleon show, you would have heard it. That we was, did say that on the Napoleon show. Yeah, yeah. it was 10, 11. Shit yeah. in a silk stocking. I've heard worse. Um, 
Harriman told Wisner, basically take as much hey. Marshall Plan money as you want. Dip in, open, baby. Yeah. Open, you know, check. We're Any money you need, yeah. you've got. You just come in 24 hours a day, baby. Take whatever so, you want. Yeah. Frank flew back to Washington and met with Richard Bissell, who was the Marshall Plan's chief administrator, right? and told him to open up the vault so he could back his truck up. Look, bitch, your boss told me I could have whatever I want, so open up the fucking doors. Yeah. Now, I can't tell you right. anything. I'm going to take millions, tens of millions, hundred, whatever. I don't know, but I can't tell you what I'm going to do with it. Have a nice day. Bissell asked him what he was going to do with it. He said, mind your own fucking business. <laughs> Ten years later, Bissell found out because he, he ended up in Wisner's job. Oh. But at the time... Right. He didn't have it. So again, again, you know, we did a whole thing on the Marshall Plan. Uh, Americans tend to think of Marshall Plan being as this great, this great act of charity yes. to Europe. Oh, uh, my heart. The CIA was actually using that money secretly mm-hmm. <laughs> to bribe uh-huh. corrupt generals, politicians, yeah. criminals, union bosses, you name it. Wisner decided to use the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 (laughs) Wisner decided to use the money to take control of the trade unions in France and Italy. Obviously, trade unions tended to side with the left. Yes. uh, And he wanted, he thought that was a, and it was a very clever tactic to weaken the power of the leftist organizations in those countries. So he chose a couple of anti-communists and started funneling them small fortunes via the Christian Democrats and the Catholic Church, church. who obviously hate the communists because they're anti-religious. Right. They paid off... I love this bit too. So they used some of the money to pay off people in the ports of Marseille and Naples to secretly unload American arms and ammunition (laughs) to get into these countries... Yeah. So they could, uh, you know, fight the good fight against right. uh, the communists and any trade unionists who, you know, wanted to block God. American involvement. And a lot of that money that they were paying off people in the ports ended up in the pockets of who, Ray? The Corsican gangsters. Forget about it. I mean, these are the guys that are running things. These are the guys, If in case, just in case, these friendly longshoremen who are unloading crates decide to strike and maybe ask for some more money, eh, you send in the Corsicans, they bust some heads, business back to normal. So it's good to know gangsters just in case something happens. <laughs> just and case. Uh, what did the Corsican mafia do with that money? Um, became even better gangsters? No, I don't know. Tell me. I'll play you a clip from what they did. Okay. Okay, this is a long clip of two cops chasing a black guy. Now they're beating the shit out of him. Oh, God. One of them is dressed as... One of the cops is dressed as Santa Claus. Another chop kicking him, beating the shit out of him. Here we go. I want to bust I want to bust you got a friend here, buddy. You got a friend. You're going to tell us who your man is? When's the last time you picked your feet, Willie? Who's your connection, Willie? What's his name? What? Answer him! No, no, man, no. Hey, no, Joe the barber. Joe the barber, right? That's who it is, isn't it? I don't give a shit. What's Jo
Yeah, Gene Hackman, Roy Scheider, the French Connection. Uh. So the <laughs> the money that the CIA gave to Corsican mafia in Marseille and Naples to secretly unload American weapons into France and Italy ended up funneling heroin back to the USA because <sighs> uh, that's what the French Connection <laughs> was right. all about. Jesus. Can I yeah. just say real quick, I know you've read Tim Winan's book years ago and you're rereading it now and you're using other books. This is my first time with the book and I've and I've actually gone a couple of chapters ahead just because it is very riveting. And I can't help but get a sense of the Keystone Cops as I'm watching what the CIA is doing. I'm not going to give anything away, but they fuck up in so many different ways in ways that they don't even know that like this with the heroin ends up coming back to the United States, messing up other lives. I mean, these guys are like rank amateurs with hundreds of millions of dollars in bravado and balls the size of Texas. And so they're going to try, but they really have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, the CIA was basically a bull in a china shop. They're a big, <laughs> overgrown, right. spoiled kid with a ton of money. Yeah. Basically, Donald Trump. Yes. Just going balls to the wall. Forget forget about results. Forget about consequences. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, collateral damage, whatever. We're just going to ram this through because it's the right thing to do. And like you said, Weisner doesn't have patience for proper espionage or playing the long game or, or trying to actually get a good spy inside the Iron Curtain, much less the Politburo. It's just easy to bribe someone, to turn someone to your side, to get a whole bunch of refugees, to take up guns and to fight for you in case... Or when World War Three comes. I mean, it's amateur hour, but it's the CIA and they've got tons of money and they're soon going to be legally covered. Which is why I always said that Donald Trump was actually the perfect American president. He's right. the embodiment of America in many ways. <laughs> the- um, just <laughs> a, a rich, rich bully yeah. who just yeah. shits on everything and closer. fucks shit up yeah. and yeah. Just, uh, whatever I want. stomps around, yeah. yelling, abusing people, just fucking shit up. And wants to I mean, be from an- for it. Sorry, go ahead. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I. They don't like me. They didn't come to yeah. my rally. What's going on? Just like me, please. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I know that a lot of Americans would be upset by that. As an outsider who's read a lot of history yeah. about America's involvement in the world, particularly post-World War II, even before that, though, like, you know, your treatment of Native Americans and Latin America and the Philippines and all right. that kind of stuff. Um, you know, that that is the – I think Trump was the perfect embodiment of that, just a big fucking loudmouth right. with too much money, spoiled, rich – just thinks he can do whatever the fuck he wants and there'll be no consequences. Yeah. That's basically America. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's going to tell us no? The United Nations? Fuck you. Here's two middle fingers for you. This one's <laughs> up your ass and this one's going in your eye. And then I'm going to switch them. That's, that's how badass I am. Yeah. Anyway. Another, another front yeah. that was a Wisner invention was the now somewhat famous Congress for Cultural Freedom. Um, this this is the the thing that there's one of the big hit podcasts recently has been about whether or not the CIA had anything to do with uh, the Scorpions' hit song "The Winds of Change." Right. Um, uh, that's more part of the Congress for Cultural Freedom. According to the CIA's Tom Braden, an OSS vet who ran the CCF for its first year. 
Wisner's vision was a vast project targeted on the intellectuals, the Ooh. battle for Picasso's mind, if you will. Right. So the idea was to influence intellectuals and artists, painters, musicians, mm. authors, scholars around the world right. to take a pro-American point of view mm. and to, to do it in sort of a sneaky way so they don't think they're being influenced by the CIA because it's going through a front group. They, right. they published a magazine called Encounter, yes. which only sold about 40,000 copies an issue, wasn't a huge, but was highly influential. Right. One of the founders of the magazine was the journalist Irving Kristol, guy mm. known as the godfather of neoconservatism, <laughs> one of the champions of the virtues of supply-side economics or voodoo economics, as Poppy Bush put it. Yeah. He is the father of Bill Kristol, one oh. of America's current leading neoconservatives. The CCF published similar magazines around the world, including Australia. Quadrant, for Australians out there, uh, was originally a CCF publication. Still going, too, Quadrant magazine. Fairly, you know, right-wing conservative Mm -hmm. uh, magazine that looks at politics and international affairs. Another front, another CIA front, was Radio Free Europe. Who was the uh, founder of the National Committee for a Free Europe, Ray? Um, Ironically, or maybe not, it was Dulles, who is not in in charge of the CIA yet. So as far as Radio Free Europe goes, that's Wisner, Keenan, and Alan Dulles. They figure it out. Because you're right, if we can control the narrative through magazines, um, radio shows, art about USA good, Soviet Union bad, that's one thing. But if you can have Radio Free Europe pro-American programs and send that signal into the Eastern Bloc, into Eastern Europe for, for, for those people who have an, for, who don't know anything other than what Stalin's telling them. Maybe we can start to win hearts and minds there. And like you said earlier, start to disrupt the flow of life in Eastern Europe by getting everybody worked up. This is brilliant. It's going to cost a lot of money. But like you just said, Weisner's got unlimited funds now, thanks to the Marshall Plan. Dulles um, was joined on the board by of National Committee for a Free Europe by Eisenhower, as you mentioned, Henry Luch, the mm-hmm. chairman of Time, Life and Fortune. How did we decide it was loose? Loose, I think we decided. Henry Luce. Did you know what? Didn't we... Henry, uh, I thought it was Henry Luce. He was a magazine magnate hmm. called the most influential private citizen in the Americas in the America of his day. So he was, even though you and I, I've never heard of him before. Most Americans probably haven't heard of him before, but at the time he was a We've big We've talked thing. about him before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying the average American's not going to know who this guy is, but he was a big deal back in the day. And he's now a part of this along with other prominent Americans. Including Cecil B. DeMille, yeah. the Hollywood producer. Get they were on there. the board of this, but they were all recruited as a cover yes. for the true management, which was Alan Dulles and Frank Wisner. Now, radios became a powerful weapon for political warfare, and RFE is still a thing even to this day. Yes. So, you know, one of the things that I guess I think a lot of people still don't understand, when you see socialist leaders like Castro 
or um, uh, 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 fucking what was the guy who took over Venezuela originally? Can't remember his name. Mental blank. Um, when you see when whenever yeah Chavez Chavez, thank you. Yeah. Uh, when you see these guys uh, take control of their countries, <clears throat> one of the first things that they always do is shut down certain radio and television stations, mm-hmm. newspapers. And they say, well, you know, they're, they're tools of the CIA. And America, of course, goes, oh, no, that's nonsense. Oh, that's, uh, freedom of the press. What about freedom uh, of the press? Blah, blah, blah. Tell me about the aliens. Uh, yeah. But they're, they're probably, possibly right. They probably know more about who's <laughs> right. running these things than I do. But right. that's why they're doing it, because this is a real thing. CIA using fronts to... Yeah funnel money into radio, TV, newspapers, magazines around the world uh, and to get them to spout propaganda and lies. And make it sound like common sense. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not just, uh, uh, you know, uh, well, uh, America's uh, good and uh, free democracy, uh, free elections and democracy are good things. Actively uh, propagating... Mm-hmm. Lies about the the governments of those countries. Now, no right. government is going to allow foreign owned media entities no. to spread disinformation and misinformation. I mean, in the US lately, we've seen Facebook and Twitter and Google take action against what they've determined to be foreign governments uh, creating fake news sites and media sites. That's exactly the same thing. That is Mm -hmm. what the CIA has been doing since 1948, is creating fake media, fake news through fake media outlets uh, around the world through front groups. So the CIA isn't easily spotted as being a contributor to it. And guys like Castro, Chavez, etc., are aware of that because yes. they live in these countries right. and they shut them down. That's uh, that's yeah. why they're trying to do it. Right. Yeah. But Americans <laughs> tend not to have understand that perspective because they don't uh, understand about you know what the CIA has been doing. Right. Eh, we're too busy. We're too distracted, and we don't want to really think about it. Um, I, I just wanted to add another wrinkle to this, and and I won't go in case you're either still on the subject or moving on, but the magazine Encounter that you were talking about, it wasn't until 1966 that it got out that this was a CIA front. Many of the people connected to it at the time quit, but the magazine Encounter went on until 1991, and it wasn't until 1972 that Radio Free Europe, even though it's still around, was, it was funded by the CIA until 72 because that got out as well. And it also got out that the Congress for Cultural Freedom in 1966 was nothing more than a CIA front. So this the, these guys had a pretty good run where people were just thinking, oh, well, everybody's saying America's good and communist's bad, so maybe there's something to it. It's like what Trump always says, everybody's telling me. So if this is the general impression that you're getting from all these various types of media, it's because the CIA was specifically generating it. Yeah, and I like to go, well, it's not it's not funded by a CIA front now. <laughs> no, but we don't decades. do that oh, anymore. Wink wink nudge nudge. The watch mother. Plausible 
Hold on. So aren't you the organisation that uh, set up to deliberately lie to us about what you're doing? Oh, well, I know, yes, I know but way. we're not. No. The we're not lying is, now. Right, exactly. Not now, because I put my hand on not the Bible. Not now. Not now. Look, we, we did lie we did. in the past, but <laughs> it, we don't lie right. now. <laughs> it's true we don't that use we front used to groups lie. now. Right. We don't have, yeah. No. It's wrong. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm a little embarrassed for you for bringing it up. Look, look me in my eye. We don't do that anymore. In early, in early 1948, Forrestal, the uh, Secretary of State, had asked uh, Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense, Defense. SecDef. Yes. No, SecDef. Yeah. SecDef. Yeah. Sec Forrestal had asked Dulles. Yep to run a top-secret investigation into the CIA. <gasps> it's only just started, and he's like, you know what? Something <laughs> doesn't feel right. Mm. What do you think if we, I, we should hire someone to analyze our weakness? What do, you, what do you think they would? I wonder what they would say. Just me. You know, it's just Riley. They just go, Riley. You know, well, I don't I want to be the one to say it, uh, so I think we should hire a company. Upsets and offends right. everybody. <laughs> a sea of opprobrium. I'm going to get that put on my business card, so Cameron between, Riley. But, <laughs> sea of opprobrium. So between you being the sea of opprobrium and me exuding insignificance, it's amazing mm. that anybody's listening to us. Anyway. Yeah. Please yeah no, they're not. There's no one listening. <laughs> it's, it's just you and me. And me. Oh, we put it out there Aww. just for old time's yeah. sake, but no one listens. So Forrestal's got Dulles to dig deep, find me the weaknesses. We've got to fix this because this one is supposed to save the world. And two, they suddenly have millions of dollars. So we need to tighten it up a little bit. Well, I think this is a bit of a con. I, I think what's going oh. on here is Dulles wants the top job. Right. Bad. Hi. Chrissy's bringing me a Coke. Just hold oh. on. Oh, she's naked. Hello. She was wearing a robe, a silky robe, but naked still, underneath. Still, wow. Yes. And <clears throat> I should put a straw in my can of Coke. I don't know. It's a, um, I have to suck. Now it's I'm turned on. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here is Dulles wants the top job right. running the CIA. This is still before the election um, in 1948. And obviously he thinks the best way to get the chop job is to shit all over the guy who's currently doing the job, Hill and Cotter. Hilly, welcome back, Hill and Cotter. And that's what's going on here. He says to Forrester, hey, hey, let me do this thing, fuck over Hill. Don't, like, right. No one liked Hill and Cotter anyway. He was a dipshit. Right. Let me let me do this and, uh, you know, I'll talk about how, how fucking bad he's doing as right. a job. And then, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll be the obvious guy. You know, right. this is the classic thing. When consultants come into a corporation, we're, we're going to, you know, look, look into uh, yeah. how, what, a, what kind of a job you're doing. Yeah. It's usually so one of the consultants can take over. That's what they're trying to do. Damn. A classic old trick. Right. Now, Dulles, again, thought Truman was going to lose the election to Thomas Dewey. He yeah. would be made the new director. Of course, that didn't happen. New. His report, which remained classified for 50 years, was pretty brutal. Yes. Um, basically came down to three counts. Count one mm -hmm. said the CIA was churning out reams of paper that contained few, if any, facts about right. communist intentions. Because they didn't have any. Count two, right. the agency had no spies among the Soviets or their satellites. Right. Count three, Roscoe Hillencotter was a complete failure as a director. <laughs> right. Apart this, from that, he yeah. said, they're doing a good job. 
Yeah. But, a, but they're doing nothing. Right. And he's a complete waste of time. But apart from that. <laughs> That's right, everything. Got no, well, I got nothing bad to say. It sounds like to me, and I'm not an expert, I'm not a consultant, but it sounds like to me, CIA needs some new dynamic leadership, some fresh blood, someone who's got the passion, can earn the respect of the people. So fucking A, let's do this. But like you said, Truman does win we, uh, re-election. He won the electoral vote 303 to 189. And I cannot say without a little pride, 39 of those electoral votes went to um, Dixiecrat candidate Strom Thurmond from the great state of South Carolina. He wanted to return the state back to the great days, the great days of life before the Civil War. But he didn't win. But because of and him, st- Truman won. He stayed in that position for 150 for 100 years. years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he's badass. <laughs> and Strom Thurmond has the record, or at least he did, for the longest filibuster. And even then, he was like super old. So don't fuck with, yeah. don't fuck with the South. Anyway. And, and I remember we talked about him, I think, before yeah. for some reason. Six months after he died, mm-hmm. his mixed-race daughter <laughs> revealed that he was her father. Right. Her her mother had been working as the family's maid. Right. When she was 15 or 16, he impregnated her in 1925. God damn. He never publicly acknowledged her, but he paid for her education and passed money to yeah. her and to her mother. And she said she kept silent out of respect That's for bullshit. the guy that knocked up her black mother. Right. Strom knew he knew what he liked. And he went after it, <laughs> <laughs> and like he was, uh, he was like an opponent of the Civil Rights Act. Oh, oh, oh um, yes, endorsed so. Barry Goldwater, very, yes. very right, white, you know, kind of guy, <laughs> but knocked up a black chick when right. he was younger. <clears throat> so Dulles Good doesn't man. get Good the bloke. right. Dulles does not get the job. Hillicotter stays put. Still exuding insignificance, and when the National Security Council orders Hilly to implement the report that Dulles came up with, he fails to do so. Yeah, the report said that the CIA was not yet an adequate intelligence service, One and day. that there were it would take years of patient work to do the job. Where have we heard what that? it needed now yes. was a bold new yeah. leader, <clears throat> and that leader, he said, was. Hint, hint, over here, over here. No, no, not over there. Here, here. Fucking me. Two's got two It's just me. And there's a bold leader. <laughs> this guy. Hill and Cotter commented at the time that Alan Dulles had all but engraved his name on the director's door already. But oh. Truman was re-elected. Welcome back. Hill and Cotter kept his job. Yes. You're not the NSC ordered Hill and Cotter to implement the recommendations, but as you say, he never did. Dulles, believe it or not, accepted his defeat and he moved on with his life. No, not really. He goes on the offensive, (laughs) shitting even more all over the CIA, telling anybody and everyone who would listen it is falling apart, it desperately needs a new leader, and he's now going to have some major, major backers in this narrative that he is spinning all over Washington. Yeah, he said unless Truman replaces Healy, the U.S. was facing a disaster overseas. Mm. And other people started to join him, including Dean Acheson, who was now the Secretary of State. His informant 
was Kermit Roosevelt, President Theodore Roosevelt's grandson, FDR's cousin, and the future chief of the CIA in the Near East and South Asia Division, and the guy who overthrows Mossadegh in Iran. So we will get to Kermit in... uh, Hello, everybody! (laughs) Uh, later on in the series. I gotta ask, his name, his legal name is Kermit. Okay, this was before the frog, so no big deal. But to avoid that, he switches it to Kim. Not exactly an improvement, but I'm not the grandson of a president, so what do I know? Would've been better if it was Kermie. Kermie. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, Kermit Roosevelt, Roosevelt is, um, Fascinating character, like he had some fucking life. Mm-hmm. Um, not not just overthrowing Mossadegh, the first first uh, democratically elected political leader that the uh, CIA was to overthrow. So, so you've got Dean Acheson, the new Secretary of State, joining in with Dulles, and you've got Secretary of Defense Forrestal, who's also giving the CIA a bad assessment. So, basically, the narrative is this: Look, all the good people in the CIA are leaving. Other good people are not joining the ranks, and generally their methods suck. So like you said, we either change this or this is going to be a complete catastrophe and it's going to take years, decades to fix. Yeah, and as it turns out, still hasn't been fixed. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> just five more yeah. years. Just give me yeah. five more years. Yeah, right around the corner. Yeah. I can see I've got it. a song for that. Oh. I did it before. I won't do it again. Um, now, meanwhile... Not only is the CIA falling apart, the guys that created it are falling apart as well. <laughs> Literally. George Kennan was <laughs> a complete burnout right. hiding away from everyone. Forrestal, the SecDef, resigned in March 1949. Well, his resignation was actually mm-hmm. demanded by Truman. And he had a complete right. mental breakdown. Um, oh, complained that he hadn't yes. slept in months. His psychiatrist found him in the middle of a psychotic episode and committed him to a psychiatric ward at Bethesda Naval Hospital. Yeah. 50 days later, still in the hospital, Forrestal was copying out a Greek poem, the chorus from Ajax one night, one o'clock in the morning. Sure, sure. Yeah. And he stopped in the middle of the word nightingale. Right. <clears throat> he wrote the word he wrote the word night yeah and then jumped out of his 16th floor window with a bathrobe cord tied around his neck Jesus allegedly allegedly <laughs> yeah you got to I think he, I think we this is the CIA we're talking about I think we should we have to say allegedly cuz well seriously yeah. there have been Suggestions, right? Going right back as early as 1949, that he was uh, whacked, right? But but I want to talk about the Nightingale part. That's fine. Just real quick, if I'm Wisner and this guy Forrestal knows everything and he's having a mental breakdown, yeah, he's got to go. Who knows what he's going to say to who and when and blab stuff? Because like you said, this department does. Most people don't even know this department exists, and now you've got this mental case. Uh Uh-uh. He's got to go. Good thing, though. Somebody asked the CIA if they did it. They said no. (laughs) So there you go. Like, case closed. Sorry, go ahead. Now, Nightingale, the word that he was in the middle of writing when he uh, allegedly committed suicide, 
was the code name of a Ukrainian resistance force that Forrestal had authorised to carry out a secret war against Stalin. Right. Its leadership was mostly made up of Nazi collaborators <laughs> who had murdered thousands of people oh. behind German lines during World War II. Right. And Forrestal was sending them back behind the Iron Curtain, parachuting in for the CIA. Now, beginning in 1949, for five years, the CIA parachuted Ukrainian infiltrators into the region. Right. Imagine for a moment that the Soviets were sending thousands of guerrillas into Canada or Mexico in 1949. Shit. Yes. That's literally what the US was doing, (laughs) parachuting fascists, Nazis. With our guns and weapons. Back, yeah, and money. (laughs) Money. Back into their home countries, which was, was part of the Soviet Union. Right. Uh, actually, so it wouldn't be like sending him into Canada or Moscow. It'd be like sending him into fucking Idaho. Well, well, also <laughs> Canada and Mexico, because um, like if you send it to Yugoslavia or some of the Eastern European countries, even though it's a part of the Soviet bloc, it still is its own country. So I think both metaphors or both examples uh, hold up. But Canada and Mexico weren't part of the United right. States no, or but, any union right. with the United yeah. States. It's not perfect, but it's still an apt metaphor. Allies. Yeah. Now, this was the first of the CIA's paramilitary missions. uh, Over the course of their paramilitary missions, they sent thousands and thousands and thousands of foreign agents to their deaths uh, by parachuting them into places where they promptly got killed. Oh, they did. uh, Because... They did. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the full story about Nightingale only began to come out in 2005. <laughs> Fuck. Nightingale had been established by the Wehrmacht in 1941 mm. with the help of Stefan Bandera, the head of the Ukrainian National Organization's radical paramilitary wing, O-U-N-B, mm-hmm. UNB, right. Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists, B. Uh, the following year, uh, a guy called Mikola Lebed founded the organization's terrorist arm, the Ukrainian Insurgent Army. Okay, now, it was, it was made up of ultra-nationalist Ukrainians, mm-hmm. Nazi collaborators, fascists, who basically, you know, their job was to wreak havoc in the region, directly or indirectly carrying out the murder of thousands of Jews, Soviets and Poles, occasionally also fighting the Germans because they started declaring that they were going to push for a separate Ukrainian state. Hitler didn't like that idea. Right. And in 1944, Lebed helped form the Supreme Ukrainian Liberation Council, the UHVR, which served as the organization's political arm. Historians estimate that 100,000 Polish civilians were massacred by the OUN. Jesus Christ. And what happened at the end of the war to Lebed, Ray? 
So, so you're right. Uh, Lebed and his Nightingale uh, troops had a very complicated relationship with the uh, Germans. Sometimes they fought them. Sometimes they fought the Russians or whatever. But the point is, so the war ends. They're hiding out in the forest, really don't know what to do. And then I'm not sure how, maybe you have this, but word gets to Weisner that there's this basically paramilitary group that is strongly anti-communist and they're at, uh, they don't know what to do with them. So I think there was several requests before for Weisner finally says, yes, we need to be able to to do something with these people. But first, let's work on Lebed himself. Let, let's get the main guy in here. So even though he is a terrorist, even though he's a murderer, he um, he helped kill the Polish some Polish uh, official was supposed to be executed, but was given life in prison. The Germans invade. He's able to escape. And like you said, they were responsible for a lot of death uh, in, in Ukraine and Poland. Uh, the CIA thinks they've got something really good here, because as far as we know, the CIA has absolutely no legitimate resources within the Soviet Union. Here's a guy who is from there. He's, he's fought the Soviets. He knows the territory. He hates the communists. This could be a good get. It just turns out that he's a murderer uh, and a terrorist, so how can we possibly get him into our country legally? That's what Weisner has got to deal with. We've got the guy, but how can we save him? Yeah, so at the end of the war, Lebed, like all good murdering fascists, uh, fled to Rome, where he was protected by the Vatican. Oh my God. Uh, uh, they said, uh, you know, St. Peter met him at the gates <laughs> of the Vatican, and he said, how many Jews have you killed? <laughs> <clears throat> he had to provide evidence oh that he'd God. killed thousands of Jews. Okay, you can come in. And he was uh, contacted by the Allies. Now, the U.S. Army Counterintelligence Corps started working with him in 1947, Jeez. smuggled him, fascist, murderer, yeah. uh, genocidal maniac, smuggled him to Munich. Sure. Where he fell at home. And <laughs> a, uh, he started collaborating with the CIA. Right. Now, in June 1949, they brought him to the United States. Oh, yes. Uh, where they said, how many Soviets have you killed? And he had to provide evidence. You can come in. Right. Uh, the Justice Department later tried to deport him. Alan Dulles stopped them and claimed he was of inestim- inestimable value to the agency and was assisting in operations of the first importance. Wow. And so, yeah. yeah, look, we know. We know he's a fascist. Um, he's a killer. And we know he probably killed, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Jews. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Right. But they're Jews. Yes. Like, let's, get, let's be clear let's here. Be- Mostly Jews. Right. Soviets, Polish people. I mean, yeah, who doesn't want to kill Jews, <laughs> Soviets and Polish people? No. Uh, no. Well, Jesus probably does want to kill Jews. He was a Jew, but, uh, you know, Jesus hates Jews. We know that. Right. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so you got to, so he's handy. He's useful. Look, yes, generally speaking, we don't like fascists unless they're on our side. Yeah. Then, then they're, they're, they're good. He's a good fascist. So, right. But just real quick, the United States teams up with Britain. Look, there are bad people on, <laughs> there are bad people on both sides, Alan Dulles said. <laughs> The Americans stood <laughs> stood by Stalin and Britain to fight Nazi Germany, and now the CIA is using fascists to fight the communists. Wow! Don't blink. Which is exactly you might miss something. Yeah. what's 
which is exactly what Stalin right. said they would do. Yes. He predicted before the end of the war that once they ended the war, yeah. the US would ally with the Nazis they're all capitalists. to attack they're all, and the British. They'll all come together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they'll all come together. They all hate us. Come together. And he was right. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not that America hates fascists. It just hates fascists that aren't working with them. Right. Don't be so loud. And the British as well. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be loud fascists. Just, you know. Anyway, sorry. Uh, Yes. So this operation that they had Labed involved in was parachuting Ukrainian agents back into the country to work for the CIA. Now, of course, OPC lacked any legal authority to carry out covert action against any nation, had no constitutional charter from Congress, no legally authorised funds for these missions, still operated outside of the laws of the United States. The CIA was effectively an illegal organisation running illegal operations, terrorist operations designed to terrorise, overthrow governments and to lie to American people about it. So... So, in May of 1949, the CIA Act was rammed through Congress. Yeah. But but I just have to put before that, so the CIA helicopter is talking to certain members of Congress, and they're like, look, we need you to pass this CIA Act. You can't ask me a lot of questions. You're just going to have to trust me. But basically, we're going to be doing a lot of dirty shit that you don't want to know about, but we need legal cover. So this this, uh, Democrat from Georgia um, is saying... We will just have to tell the House they will have to accept our judgment and we cannot answer a great many questions that might be asked. Here's a law. I don't really want you to read it. I don't want you to ask me any questions, but I need you to vote and pass it so we can have legal cover for about for the shit that we are about to do. And they did. For the shit that we are about to do. We salute you. Please oh, bless sorry. us. <laughs> yeah, we <salute> you. <laughs> Another one said, "The less we say about this bill, the better for all of us it will be." So, yeah, that was the uh, ranking Republican on the House Armed Services <laughs> Committee, Dewey, Dewey Short of Missouri. Cool name. Yeah, the, the less we say about this bill, the better off all of us will be. Um, he said it would be supreme folly right. to debate the act in public. Can't, we can't talk about secret <laughs> shit. <laughs> but we do need you to vote on it. So complicated. One section, I just have to read this out real quick. One section of the bill exempted the CIA from having to disclose its organization, functions, officials, titles, salaries, or numbers of personnel employed. Don't ask, don't tell. Just give me the fucking money. That's basically how I feel most of the time. (laughs) That's my general policy in life. It worked for them. It works for you. People send me emails going, oh, I love you, Sean. I'm like, I don't care. Just send me the fucking money. Benjamins, not bullets, (laughs) not words. I don't want to get your emails. Just send me money. Fuck you. Um, yeah, let's let's uh, you know read a couple of sections uh, right. from the CIA Act that are kind of fun. Right. Give me a minute to find them again. Sure. So while he's doing that, like you said, on May twenty seventh, nineteen forty through, this is the CIA Act is rammed through Congress. It passed the House three hundred and forty eight to four because those Congress people, let's face it, men were patriots, and then it passes the Senate. Section 6 says, in the performance of its functions, the Central Intelligence Agency is authorised to A, transfer to and receive from other government agencies such sums as may be approved by the Bureau of the Budget 
for the performance of any of the functions or activities authorised under Sections 102 and 303 of the National Security Act of 1947, and any other government agency is authorised to transfer to or receive from the agency such sums without regard to any provisions of law limiting or prohibiting transfers between appropriations. So basically, my understanding of that is, like, any government department can give the CIA money. Oh, thank you. Don't ask any questions. Well, the handy thing about... Right. Well, yeah, but the handy thing about this is you can say, well, uh, you know, well, we need to pass an appropriations bill for, I don't know, uh, a bill, you know, giving daisies to cows. Right. No one, no one, no one can argue with that. We, giving daisies to cows? $25 billion. Fresh hay? Right. Yeah, $25 billion. Where's it, What's it going to? Well, look, it's here. It's very clear. Look at the cow the, before the daisy yeah. and after the then daisy. You, yeah. You raise the money and you go, fuck the cows and the daisies, <laughs> the and you give the money to the CIA to, to run terrorist operations. Wake the cows. It was, it, was, it was a clever bait and switch right. that they put into the CIA Act oh. that says, well, you know, basically we can tell the people we're approving the money for one thing. Yeah. But that we we can give it to the CIA to do other shit with it, a bit like the Marshall Plan, right? Yeah. What what are we what are we doing this for? Oh, it's to help people. Oh, okay. How are we going to help them? Oh, we're actually giving it to the CIA money, to run money, terrorist operations. Money helps people you know, and overthrow yeah. governments. So yeah. So let me get this straight. So you, they passed this bill. They can already dip into the Marshall Fund, and I think it was on the last episode that you said Wisner could go over to any military base all over Europe. You know, we've got troops all over the place. And just say, hey, here's my shopping list. I need some guns. I need some ammo. I need some uh, helmets. I need whatever, parachutes. And the military's like, yeah, okay. I mean, oh, my God, they have access to anything and everything they want. That's incredible. Yeah. That is incredible. It's good to be the king <laughs> of the world. Right. As almost almost said. Just remember, this is still nothing more than a department within the CIA. But like you said the last time, it is the tail that is wagging the dog. Yeah. What was the one stipulation about the CIA Act? Uh, I don't know. What was it? Well, like you said, for the for the next twenty five years, the CIA, because of this act, is going to act like secret police force all over the world. Their only limit is they cannot do these activities inside of the United States. So I'm good. I'm safe. Hmm. But you Australians, hmm. you're fucked because they can do whatever they want to you. Yeah. But I'm safe. And they have. And they have. In theory. I'm safe, in theory. Uh, well, you know, one of our prime ministers disappeared once. Still think it was a CIA operation. Probably was. And they overthrew the government here in 1975, maybe. Right. Anyway, yeah, the CIA now had free reign. Untraceable money buried under falsifiable items God. in the Pentagon's budget. Unlimited license to do whatever the fuck they want right. and no one could know about it or would know about it or trace Bond, it. Bond, James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> now, a key clause in the CIA Act was that they could let 100 foreigners a year into the United States in the name of national security, oh, yeah. granting them permanent residence without regard to their inadmissibility under the immigration or any other laws. Because he's a terrorist. Basically. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> we can bring in 100 terrorists. Want, train them. Give them permanent residence. Yeah. And you can't yeah. do fuck all about it. Yeah, yeah. Which is how 
Ukrainian fascist leader Mykola Lebed was smuggled into the country. Exactly. Now, he had already been tried, convicted and imprisoned for the murder of Polish interior oh. minister Bronislaw Pirachi right. in 1934. Damn. The court sentenced him to death, but the state commuted it to life imprisonment. When the, when the Germans invaded yeah. Poland in 1939, he escaped. Then he killed 100,000 Poles and thousands of Ukrainians. Jesus. 1949, he emigrated to the United States and lived in New York for the rest of his life. As late as 1991, the CIA worried that uh, his outing might create upset, you think, within the Ukrainian (laughs) emigre community in the United States, shielded him from prosecution for war crimes by the Department of Justice when they learned about his connections to the Nazis. And he died a free man in 1998. And so, what did there you go. we get out of that? I'm sure he wasn't nearly the ace we thought, the, CIA, the desperate CIA thought he was going to be. And so another criminal has a good life thanks to the CIA. And I'm sure he's just one of many. Because I think I read something, they brought him over, they blurred his record as they would blur the records of so many other people who were brought over for various needs and reasons. And so that's your tax dollars at work, even though you don't know it. But I'm still waiting, Cam. I know we're near the end, but I'm still waiting for the coffee mug moment for this entire episode about the one congressman who thought all of this was a pretty good idea. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going to get oh, into that, okay. but I, I, I assume you were referring to a certain Richard M. Nixon yes. who was totally on board with this. Yeah, This guy's got the greatest quotes. We should have coffee mugs with all of his quotes on there. We'd, we'd be rich. Yeah. What's the quote that you're going for? Well, when he, when he was told about, you know, like you just said, with the CIA now has their own money with this act, they have carte blanche approval for all of their activities. One congressman sums it up by saying, if it's a secret, it's legal. <laughs> I love that. That's fucking, as long as no one knows that I'm doing it, it's legal because you don't know that I'm doing it. That's how his mind works. That's scary. Well, I saw that quote, but I couldn't back it up. Oh, really? Can you back that quote oh, no, up where, just, he, where and when he said I it? I just got it out of the Tim book, the Tim Weiner book. Yeah, oh. yeah I saw that and I went looking for primary oh, source for that. Man. Yeah. I mean... Obviously, he he did say in his television interview with uh, a British journalist, yeah. <clears throat> um, if a president does it, then it must be legal. Right. That's a good one. I don't know where he said if it's secret, then it must be legal, but uh, maybe it's the same thing. If a president does it in secret, then it must be yeah. legal. Well, you know, and and my point with this, with the Lebed story is, you know, another conspiracy theory that I've heard all my life is that uh, the US uh, hid a bunch of Nazis and fascists and gave them citizenship and protected them from prosecution. And uh, this is one of those cases that apparently is true. They they uh, gave this guy, def- you know, and def- citizenship and defended yeah. him his entire life from prosecution for his war crimes. Right. And I'm sure they gave him a decent pile of cash because, you know, I, I don't know if they want him out running, getting a job and talking to people. But, yeah, they took care of this guy. Oh, well, he did He did very well yeah. uh, throughout his life in the U.S. Yeah, he was, uh, let's see here, uh, 
Post-war activities, during 1952 to 1974, he headed the Research Centre Prologue in New York. In 1982 to 1985, he was the Deputy Chairman, and since 1974, he was a member of the Board of Directors of the institution. 1956 to 1991, he was a member of the Board of the Ukrainian Society of Foreign Studies in Munich and Toronto, Publishing Committee, Chronicle of the UPA, 1975... So, yeah, he did, he did okay. So he's a knowledgeable terrorist killer slash psychopath. Okay. Yeah. And Yeah, yeah. He is not the last one, obviously, that the CIA will use who has a shady past but has something that theoretically the CIA needs, and that is foreign agents. So he's just the first of many that we'll be running across. Well, the organization mm-hmm. that he ran, right. Prologue Research Corporation, was a CIA front. Oh, fuck me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Funded by the some funded by the CIA. <laughs> funded by the CIA. Please, look, I don't know. Here's my plan. Call me crazy. Call me stupid, Ray. But let's bring fascists, right. terrorists, right. genocidal maniacs. Yeah. Create a front organization to give them a job and an income. Right. And they well. then they become our fascists. Oh. Yeah. A, a useful tool in case I need one. It's better that I own all the crazy motherfucking killers than you in case I need them. To do me a favor. Mm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. That is the end of uh, this episode of the Cold War. I hope everyone enjoyed that. Uh, we'll be back next time with uh, more stuff. <coughs> Stay tuned. An iron curtain has descended across the continent. <laughs>